Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to John 17? John 17. John 17, and uh, we'll read from verse 6. John 17 and verse 6. John 17, verse 6. I manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I am from you. For they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Amen. And we know God will always bless the reading of his own inspired word. So you'll remember that we began this little series of studies uh, in the uh, Lord's Prayer, not our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, uh, which is more the disciples' prayer, a teaching device our Lord gave to the disciples to teach them how to pray, but rather in John 17, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son. As I mentioned last week, Martin Lloyd-Jones called this prayer the Holy of Holies of Scriptural Revelation. It's the inner sanctum because here we're taken into the very heart of the Godhead and we're allowed, as it were, to eavesdrop on a conversation between the Son and the Father. And the, Father, uh, or the prayer can be divided into three sections, which if you're using the NIV is very helpfully uh, set out for us. Uh, if you're not, uh, it's a little bit unfortunate because uh, you can uh, read it together as uh, one section and fail to see uh, who our Lord is actually praying for. In verses 1 to 5, the section that we looked at last week, Jesus prays for himself uh, that the uh, Father would glorify him, thinking particularly of the impending crucifixion and resurrection. And then in verses 6 to 19, he prays for his disciples. We know that because if you go down to verse 20, uh, he says in the, the next section, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So verses 6 to 19, our Lord is praying for his disciples. And then in verse 20 to the end of the chapter, he is praying for all Christians throughout history. Now, last week we looked at verses 1 to 5, and uh, this morning we're looking at the second section where he is praying for the disciples. Now, this section is quite long, and I think it would be wrong to deal with it in one go. In verses 6 to 10, the section that we read together, uh, Jesus uh, reveals to us the subjects of the prayer. And then in verses 11 to 18, we have the content of the prayer, what our Lord is actually praying for the disciples. Now, this morning we want to look at the first section and focus upon the subjects uh, of the prayer. Look at verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. 
Jesus is very pacific in his uh, petition. He is not praying for the world, for every individual in the world, but rather he is, being, uh, he is praying for those who have been given to him out of the world, the twelve disciples. The Cyril of Alexander in the fifth century who first described this prayer as the high priestly prayer. And the high priest was one who interceded on behalf of the people of God. And just as the high priest entered the holy place, wearing that breastplate where, with 12 jewels set into that uh, breastplate, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, so the Lord now uh, comes and prays for uh, the 12 disciples, those who have been given to him, out of the world. I do not pray for these only, but for those who believe in me through their word. Now, who then were these disciples? Well, Jesus defines them in terms of revelation. He says in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Now, that word manifested means to disclose, to divulge, to make known, to make clear, to make visible, or as the NIV has it, to reveal. Jesus revealed the Father to the disciples. He revealed, he manifested, he disclosed the Father to him. This was his uh, emphasis, to reveal, to uh, show, to disclose the Father to the twelve disciples. Now, this morning, I want you to notice five things. We'll rattle through them very quickly. I want you to notice, first of all, the grace in this revelation. Look at uh, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. Jesus is, remember, referring to the twelve disciples, and as he himself uh, 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 told the disciples they did not choose him, but he chose them and appointed them to go and bear fruit. And Jesus revealed the Father uh, to them. He revealed his Father to those that the Father had given him out of the world. Now, we looked at that phrase Last week, when we considered verse 2, since you granted him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. You see it again in verse 9, I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Unless we think that that only applies to the 12 disciples, in the closing section in verse 24, Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be where I am. Now, let's remind ourselves what Jesus is saying. Jesus, in these words, is taking us into the councils of eternity. And he is telling us that the Father gave to the Son not just the twelve disciples, but a great multitude that no man can number. Theologians call this the covenant of redemption, where the Father gives to the Son uh, and this, this multitude, and the Son undertakes then to come into the world 
uh, to redeem them. That God the Father made a choice, made a selection, and he gave those whom he had chosen to his uh, Son. Now, we know uh, that that choice was based on grace. B.B. Warfield says that salvation is a pure gratuity from God. One of the things that disturbed us a little bit about Canada was that the whole tipping system, the gratuity system, that, uh, that even when you went into a shop to buy something, they would hand you the uh, card reader and you would have an option of paying a tip for a carry-out coffee. I'd never paid for a tip for a carry-out coffee in my life. But, but, um, but, and they, the, the, the tips began at 18% and went up to 25%. Um, and you, you felt obligated then obligated to give uh, a tip. But a gratuity is a a voluntary uh, giving, a voluntary donation. It's something extra. And our salvation is based on the grace of God. It's a pure gratuity from God. He chose the twelve disciples and he chose us in grace, in love, Paul says, he predestined us. In other words, this revelation, this manifestation, this um, uh, uh, disclosure of his grace was, uh, of, of the Father was given in grace. He, the twelve didn't receive it because they deserved it, because they earned it, even because they sought it, but it was given in grace. It was because he chose to manifest uh, uh, the Father to the disciples who had been given to him. He initiated it, and he then revealed the Father to them. And if you have uh, become a Christian, if you uh, have been brought into a relationship with the Father It is only, only because of God's grace to you. That grace, the grace of God, uh, uh, as Thomas Watson put it, uh, secures us for salvation rather than our faith securing him. God did not choose us for faith, but he chose us to faith, faith. He sought us when we sought him not, and he sought us that we might seek him. This revelation then is is all of God's grace. He manifested the Father. He revealed the Father to the twelve who were the the objects of uh, of his love in grace. Secondly, notice the nature of this revelation. What did the Lord Jesus actually reveal to the disciples? Well, look at verse 6. I manifested your name. If you're using the NIV, it says, I have revealed you. But it is, I manifested your name. If you look at the a footnote in the NIV, you will say, I have revealed your name to those whom you gave me. Now, what did Jesus mean when he says, I revealed your 
name. What did he mean by that? Well, in Semitic thought, the name represented the person, the character, the nature of the person. Turn back with me just a moment to Exodus chapter um, 33. Uh, This is a, a great passage where Moses asks for a revelation of God that he might see his glory. So Exodus 33 and verse 17. Exodus 33, verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. In other words, God didn't just know Moses' name as Moses. He knew him. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man cannot see see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but, you, but my face uh, you shall not see. And then go down to chapter 34 to this uh, incident, uh, to when it actually takes place, uh, 34 and verse 6. So here's Moses, and he's hidden in the cleft of the rock. Then the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You see, he, he proclaimed his name. He revealed his name to Moses, but his name was a char- his character, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. You have many other examples of that in Scripture. Remember Moses at the burning bush, and uh, he said, suppose I go to the Israelites, and they ask me, what is his name? And God said to Moses, I am a who I am. He gave that covenant name, that name of Yahweh, but that name wasn't simply a label to distinguish him. It was an attribute to describe him. I am who I am. I am the eternal, self-sufficient God. So when Jesus says, I revealed your name, he is saying that he revealed the character, the nature of the Father to the disciples, that he exegeted the Father. Hebrews opens with the words, these remarkable words, in the past in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. He is, the, the Son is the exegesis of God. He reveals the Father's name, the Father's attributes, the Father's character, to the disciples. That's why you cannot come in any other way to the Father except through Jesus, because He is the only one by whom you get to to know the Father and have a relationship with the Father, because it's Jesus alone that reveals the Father. That's the nature of the revelation. 
It's coming to know the Father, to understand the Father, to appreciate the Father. That's what Jesus would reveal and did reveal to the disciples, the character of the Father. And it's only in Jesus Christ that we can come to a full understanding and a full appreciation of of the Father. He revealed, he manifested the Father's name. So the grace in this revelation, it was given to those who had been given to him by the Father. The nature of this revelation, he revealed the name. Uh, Thirdly then, notice the, the instrument or the means in this revelation. And we must ask ourselves, how was it that Jesus revealed the Father to the disciples? How was it that he revealed his name and his attributes? Was it simply by looking at him visually that you were brought to a, an understanding of the Father or, or simply by being in uh, his presence you got a feeling of what the Father was like? And the answer is no. He brought them uh, this revelation of the Father through his word, through his teaching. It wasn't by his looks or some fuzzy feeling in his presence. They had come to see the Father in the teaching of Jesus. Look at verses 6 to 8 and just notice the emphasis that's put upon the word. I manifested your name to the people you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words, the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I am from you. Do you see that? The way that Jesus revealed, manifested the Father was by his teaching of the word. And that word came from the Father. Everything that he taught, he says, was of divine origin. It was given to him by the Father. The the way of this revealing, this manifestation of the Father, this disclosure of the Father, was by his word. Why, that is still the the way that we come to know God and still the way we deepen our relationship with God and it's still the way that we have uh, this revelation, this manifestation of the uh, Father through the teaching of Christ, through the Word of Christ. Now, of course, we don't have Christ personally to teach us, but we have Christ's word, which is the New Testament. Just turn back to me, with me to John chapter 16 and verse 12. Jesus is referring to the coming of the Holy, the promised Holy Spirit. John 16 and verse 12. I still have many other things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So the revelation wasn't complete. Jesus had many other things to tell them, Uh, but they weren't ready for them. Now, look at verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, do you see what Jesus is saying? I've often heard that verse, you know, quoted out of context. The Spirit will guide us into all truth. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says, there's there's a lot of other things I have to tell you to reveal to you about the Father. But when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will give you the apostolic word. And the apostolic word is the word that I have given you. And the word that I have given you is the word that the Father has given to me. And so in the New Testament, we have the revelation of the Father, the manifestation of the Father in the word of Christ. Twice. Twice um, Paul refers to um, the New Testament as the Word of Christ. He says, let the, the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as you sing and make music in your heart to God. That The New Testament uh, is the, the Word of Christ given to the apostles by the Spirit of God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message through, not through the Word of God, but through the Word of Christ. That that the the fullest disclosure, revelation, and manifestation of the Father is actually in the New Testament, because Jesus reveals the Father He revealed the Father to the disciples. He sent His Spirit to the disciples that they might be led into all truth, that we might have uh, the fullness of the disclosure that Jesus intended in the New Testament. Now, uh, I am a lover of the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. I love preaching on the Old Testament. But I'm very suspicious of people who live in the Old Testament because the fullest revelation, the fullest exegesis of God, God the Father, is to be found in the New Testament. Jesus revealed the name of his Father through the word he communicated to his disciples. So, let's be practical. If you're not a Christian this morning, Uh, How do you get to know God? How do you come to understand who God is and what God is like and what God has done? And it's by, by reading the Word of God. That's how God reveals Himself to us. But particularly, reading the New Testament, say, beginning in the Gospel of John, because John is an evangelistic tract written by John to persuade people to believe. You've got to read the Scriptures. And if you, as a Christian, want to know God, 
and deepen your relationship with God and have a deeper appreciation of who God is. It's through the Word. It's not by osmosis. It's not by funny feelings in your fingertips and shivers up your spine. It's by getting to grips with the Word of God. And that's why I'm passionate, passionate about reading uh, the Scriptures in a version that you can understand. It's obscurantism to, 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 for me at least, to have the Scriptures in Elizabethan English, uh, uh, which, which veils so often the plain meaning of Scripture. If you want to get to, to know God, read the Scriptures in a version that you can understand. That seems so, so straightforward to me. Because it is through the Scriptures that we are brought to a deeper, fuller, and greater understanding of who God is. So the grace in this revelation, the nature of this revelation, the means in the revelation, the response to the revelation, it's very important for us to, just to see that although this revelation is all of grace, Nevertheless, that grace uh, created and demanded a response on the part of the disciples, that it wasn't simply because they had been uh, given to the Son that they automatically embraced this revelation, this manifestation of the, the, the Father. They were personally and individually, um, uh, they personally and individually responded to this revelation. And just look at verses 6 to 8 to, to, see, to see their their response. We're told at the end of verse 6, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Do you see this threefold step uh, in, in receiving the Word of God. They heard the Word, they received the Word, and they believed the Word. They heard the Word. Verse 6, they have kept your Word. The uh, NIV says they have obeyed your Word. Now, that word literally means to guard. It means to pay attention to. It means to uh, uh, observe. It means to um, hold on firmly. Now, that's, that's the first step then in receiving the Word, to listen to the Word with your eyes and your ears open, to give attention. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That you don't let this sweep over you, but you grasp it, you hold it, and you think about it. Remember after I was converted, really being very annoyed at the church in which I was brought up in because we, uh, although we didn't go often, we went occasionally. I can never remember in that church hearing the gospel ever preached. I can never remember a clear exposition of my need before God, of the provision that God made in Christ Jesus and sending his son into the world and my need then to respond and believe the, the gospel. Never once did I hear that. Then I met a, an evangelical mem, uh, minister from that denomination 
And he asked me what church was I brought up in. And uh, referring to the minister that I'd sat under those years, he says, oh, he says, he's a very fine evangelical. He's a, a leading evangelical in that particular domin- uh, denomination. Now, I, I couldn't understand it. A leading evangelical. And I sat under his ministry uh, for 13 years on and off. And I, I never remember hearing the gospel. But then I, I thought to myself, maybe the problem and the fault was not his, but mine. That I didn't hear the message. I, I, I didn't listen to the message. I used to imagine myself with a, a huge imaginary fishing rod, an invisible fishing rod, and I would move the hats of the ladies uh, from one person uh, to another and occasionally put them on the minister's head. And at, at that point, I was completely completely oblivious and switched off to anything he said. So he may have been talking about salvation, but I never heard it. I never heard it. I would be disappointed if anybody went out of this church, been brought up in this church, uh, unaware of what the gospel is, that you need to be saved and you need to come to faith in Christ. I'd be so disappointed about that. But many people just don't listen. So they, they... they heard the word, they kept the word, then they, they received the word. Uh, there in, in, in verse uh, 7, we're told they, they received the word. They, NIV says they accepted the word. And that means to take hold of, to grasp, to, uh, to make your own. That you, you take it to be the authoritative word of God that you realize that this has come from God and this is God's message to you. And that's the second step in receiving this revelation, that uh, you listen to it, you take hold of it, but secondly, you receive it, you accept it, um, you digest it. Eugene Peterson has a, a great book entitled, Eat This Book, Eat This Book where you take the Word of God and you imbibe it and you take it into your uh, system and you draw on the nutrients from it, which then in turn gives you you strength. So that you you listen to the Word of God, but then you, you digest it, you think it over, you take it into your heart and into your life. So they heard... Uh, the word, they received the word, and then they, they believed the word. I came from you, and they have believed, at the end of verse 9, that you sent me. You see that. that it, it's not just accepting uh, the word and thinking about the word and digesting the word. It's believing that this is God's word, that this is God's revelation to you, that this is an authoritative manifestation coming from the throne of God, that this is God's word to your heart. And they trusted in that revelation. And so every time as a Christian, you come, you come to the word of God. You, you not only hear it, you not only digest it, but you believe it. You believe that this is God's revelation to you, that this is God's manifestation of the Father to you. And that's so crucially important, both for Christians and non-Christians, 
because it's through faith that we lay hold of the mercy and the grace and the kindness of God that we believe that he has come to us in the person of his son. Salvation is by faith and through faith. So, so here are, uh, is the disciples' response. They, they heard the word. They paid attention to the word. They received the word. They digested this word. And then they believed the, this word. They, they believed that this was an authoritative revelation from the throne of God himself. How instructive that is when it comes to listening to preaching and when it comes to our own quiet times. And if you're not a Christian, how you respond to the gospel. So the grace in this revelation, the nature of this revelation, the means uh, in this revelation, the response to the revelation. And lastly then, the purpose of this revelation. Look uh, very carefully with me at verse 10. All mine are yours and yours are mine. Isn't that wonderful? That, that, um, that we are his and we are the father's. You remember in John 10, Jesus talks about that double grip of, what Spurgeon calls a double grip of omnipotence. He says, no one will snatch them from my father's hand and no one will snatch them from my hand, that we are eternally secure. But here, again, all mine are yours, that all these uh, uh, that the Father had given to him uh, are his, but they belong to God as well. And just notice this, and I, I am glorified. I am glorified in them. Now, you would expect that to read, and I will be glorified in them, wouldn't you? You would expect a future tense there, but it's um, I am glorified in them. Right, up to this point in the ministry of our Lord, our, the disciples hadn't done very much. They hadn't accomplished very much. But Jesus is referring to their response to the word, having heard the word, having received the word, and having believed the word, that Christ is glorified in them. That the greatest glory is brought through personal obedience. Thomas Watson asked the question, how, how can we glorify God? And he says we can glorify God by adoration, by pouring out our hearts to him. We can glorify God by affection, that we love him as he ought to be loved, that we honor him with our lives. So adoration, affection, but subjection subjection to his word, obedience to his word, responding to his word. And here were these disciples and they had uh, uh, heard the teaching of Jesus, the manifestation of the Father through the ministry of Jesus. And their hearts were moved and their hearts were touched and they were responded. And, and Jesus says, prayers to his Father, I am glorified in them. You see, nothing glorifies or brings greater glory to God than the salvation of his elect 
and the response of his people. And um, you might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty insignificant. What can I do to glorify God by hearing his word, by receiving his word, and by believing his word? So if, if you're not a Christian, great glory, great glory would be brought to God this very, this very morning if you came and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Great glory would be brought to Christ. You would glorify him uh, by your salvation. And if you are a Christian, by responding positively to the revelation of the Father that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Amen.